Welcome to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. Since 1997, Scriptorium has helped companies manage, structure, organize, and distribute content in an efficient way. In this episode, we talk about Industry 4.0 with Stefan Gens of Adobe. Hi, I'm Sarah O'Keefe. Stefan, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your job at Adobe. Hi, Sarah. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Stefan Gens, and I'm the Senior Worldwide Evangelist for Technical Communication at Adobe. And I'm working for Adobe like um, six years, six and a half years now, almost seven years. And uh, it has been a great journey and um, um, it's a great company to work for. So I'm happy to look into these uh, topics like Industry 4.0 uh, to drive uh, that forward and uh, uh, help our teams also to um, get a better understanding for that and um, develop solutions uh, that the industry actually needs. The technical communication portfolio at Adobe includes, uh, I'm going to list a few and then I'm going to forget some things and you'll fill in the rest, right? But it includes uh, FrameMaker, RoboHelp, AEM Guides, which is the Ditto CCMS AEM uh, product. And what did I forget? For the technical communication um, part, that's mostly it. Um, RoboHelp is a brand new product uh, since 2019 uh, where we completely revamped it. And of course, the good old workhorse framemaker that you can use for um, structured content and XML editing and data uh, authoring, etc. And yes, there's um, for a couple of years now, we have our own data CCMS, Component Content Management System, which sits in, as you said, uh, Adobe Experience Manager. It's called Adobe Experience Manager Guides, formerly XML documentation for Adobe Experience Manager, which was a very long name. It was... Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you about Industry 4.0. It's a term that I hear a lot in the European market, and it seems to be used more there, perhaps, especially in Germany, because Germany has so many, you know, so much heavy industry, so much machinery, that kind of thing. But when somebody talks to you about Industry 4.0, how do you define Industry 4.0? Yeah, I mean, there are these two terms um, um, around. There's IoT, the Internet of Things, which is more a North American thing, and Industry 4.0, which uh, is something that roots d- deeply in the German uh, uh, industry. And it's actually not a new term. It um, goes back until, I think, even 2011 uh, when that started. And in 2013, the platform Industry 4.0 was founded by um, German industry associations like Bitkom, VDMA, and ZBEI. Um, And they were coming together to um, develop further and implement the um, Industry 4.0 idea as part of the high-tech strategy of the German government. So the German uh, government in 2011 was inventing that term Industry 4.0 as a future initiative to drive digitalization in the industry, in the German industry. And that was picked up by these um, industry associations. And then companies like German Telekom, Robert Bosch, Siemens, Festo, SAP, and others joined that platform, Industry 4.0, and uh, started to... um, create a framework for that. And that's the um, that's all happening on the platform industry 4.0, um, which is indeed very German and very um, uh, rooted in the German uh, classic manufacturing industry. Um, and that 
is probably the reason why that term industry 4.0 is usually heard more in uh, Europe uh, than in um, North America, where the industry is talking more about Internet of Things. But it's some in some way the same idea and roots into the same um, concepts, but um, Industry 4.0 is more about um, uh, classic manufacturing industries and production processes uh, and the what we call the, uh, the smart factory. And it refers to intelligent networking of machines and processes in the industry with the help of information and communication technology. That's more an industry thing, while IoT is very often also um, about the end consumer, smart home and things like that. Um, and that is smart home and things like that are not so much in the focus of Industry 4.0. Uh, there we really talk about things like smart factories, smart uh, machines that can communicate with each other and uh, where content and data is used in new ways. Right. So basically, I mean, it sounds as though, you know, smart home is Internet of Things, more or less, and smart factory, you know, the sort of industrial equivalent is Industry 4.0 to terribly oversimplify. Yeah, yeah, very simple set. We could put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, so we make a smart factory where we're going to wave our hands and make a smart factory where everything starts to be interconnected and have some, you know, some intelligence in terms of what's going on with all the machines talking to each other. What does that then mean for, you know, you and I both live in the content world. What does that mean for us? What what are the implications of industry 4.0 of a smart factory for content people? Well, I recently talked to someone and he, he said, um, or actually she said, um, data and content are the new raw material in the industry. Um, of course, we will in the future also have other raw materials to, pro- to turn them into products. But one important factor um, that is basically a des- deciding factor for success or failure is data, uh, data and content. And um, when we think about the use of data, um, data on the production process and the condition of a machine and a product are combined and evaluated by um, algorithms, uh, by software. And uh, data analysis provides information on how a product can be manufactured more efficiently, like you're monitoring the production process and um, then uh, trying to optimize it. Um, but more importantly, it is also the basis for uh, completely new business models and services. Uh, for example, uh, let's think of an elevator manufacturer. Um, they can offer their customers uh, things like predictive maintenance based on content and data. Uh, the data is maybe produced by the, um, by the machine, by the motor of the elevator, for example. Um, but that data itself is not useful it needs to have some context and that context is something that is coming from engineers and for example technical writers or engineers let's think of um, a classic manual uh, for an elevator where you have some part about maintenance and then there's a table of um, how many uh, how often does this elevator need to be maintained and um, uh, maybe the software needs to be updated whatever and this is content that usually is created by uh, by human beings. And that is um, something that's changing uh, where 
in the future, um, for example, elevators uh, can be equipped with sensors that continuously send data about their condition. And what to do with that information? That is something that we as human beings, as te technical writers, for example, um, um, put somewhere. And classically, it's put in, an, in a, a user manual or in the maintenance manual. And that um, then the, there's a disconnect between the data and the content. And um, the idea of Industry 4.0 is also to bring this together and um, um, have a new way of consuming and using technical content, like stuff that is uh, content that is in a maintenance manual, uh, and use that the machine can use that. Um, and there are ex already examples for that uh, in the German industry. Uh, like um, there's a big uh, company that uh, produces big machines for um, for uh, wood processing. On the one end, you put in a big tree, and on the other <laughs> end of the machine, a window frame comes out of that machine, uh, simply said. And um, how often this machine needs to be maintained is actually, uh, the machine is actually pulling that data live from um, through an API from uh, the system where the data content is hosted. And um, the maintenance data is created as XML, as DIDA, and there's a maintenance table and uh, in, this, uh, in one topic, and the machine can pull out the information, when is my next maintenance cycle, from the DIDA topic that is created by a technical writer. And that means we also need to think about how we um, create content and how we um, offer that content and um, how we make that content uh, accessible. And if you think about it um, from a technical writing perspective, um, traditionally the idea uh, of technical writing was to explain a complex product or a complex process for a human reader so that the human reader understands how to use the machine or how to use the software or how to use the elevator or whatever or a service engineer that has, who has to maintain uh, uh, such a machine or um, product. So the target audience of content created by technical writers was usually a human being. And in that industry 4.0 uh, context, and also in the uh, IoT context, uh, we need to think um, about content in new ways. We need to um, create content in ways that It's um, consumable by both human beings and machines. And that, that is um, um, something where we need to, um, not only from the words and phrasing and um, how we explain content, um, but also in terms of uh, attributing content uh, and say, this is content that is um, for a human reader, maybe one paragraph for the human reader and one paragraph or one table of data uh, for the machine that is going to consume that content to pull out, for example, maintenance uh, cycle data. Uh, and that means we need to um, approach technical writing in a new way in the future and um, already today, actually, and um, uh, also need to um, use technologies that make it possible to implement what we as technical writers produce to implement that into an industry 4.0 or IoT scenario. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's a it's a complete new way of um, uh, what we uh, what we um, need to do with our, uh, with content that we produce and uh, how we store it, etc. 
I'm terrified of your your wood machine, so I'm going to go back to the elevator. Um, (laughs) So what you're saying is that you have an elevator and in the non-industry 4.0 world, you have an elevator and the elevator goes up and down. And after every, let's say, 100 hours of operation, there's a particular maintenance procedure. You need to go in and lubricate some things or check a belt for wear or something. And I have, by the way, no idea how elevators actually work. Me neither. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we have an elevator. Every 100 hours, there's something that you should be doing. And so the implication of Industry 4.0 is that the elevator itself has sensors which uh, which count operational time, right? So it would measure, hey, I've hit 100 hours. Yeah. And at the point, and it knows that, or it has you know, what amounts to a, a, a clock or a counter inside the system, inside the elevator. Okay, right. so it hits 100 hours. And normally at 100 hours, the dumb elevator, right? It has the sensor, but the dumb elevator just turns on a red light and says, hey, hi, you need to do my maintenance. Right. And then the maintenance technician shows up and says, oh, the red light is on. I have error code 57. Let me go see what that is. Oh, that means I need to go pour oil on this thing over here. Fine. And presumably they looked up error 57 in the documentation, you know, some horrible PDF that's like hundreds of pages long and it has error codes for days. And they go in there and under 57 on page 685, they eventually find something about machine oil. But in industry 4.0, it it kicks off that that message or that error that says I've hit 100 hours, it's time to do some things, and then essentially it has access to the documentation, right? It's like context sensitive help. It it's, just says, yeah. "Oh, hey, Stefan, my friend the mechanic, you need to do this procedure, right? You don't have to look it up. You don't have to provide that connectivity exactly. between the system, the error code or the maintenance code, and then the documentation that explains what that maintenance code is. Right. Now, somebody did the work, right? I mean, to your point, some some human being created the content and presumably some other human being built the framework that connects all those error codes to the relevant information. And then somewhere along the way, we have to display that content in a human readable form um, so that the, the service technician can do the procedure. Now, to your point, that doesn't get into the question of what about automated procedures or you know the machine automatically going into service mode and I guess servicing itself in some way. So this is, you know, when I think about this and we look at what we've been doing for the past 15, 20 years with topic-based content, that seems like the first step in this direction, right? That we have to have individualized units of content that cover these specific procedures so that uh, when the machine says, I need this service, we can connect, I need this, you know, service X, Y, and Z to the relevant instructions. Yeah. And yeah. sorry, we can think it even a little bit further. Uh, imagine that um, that it's not about oil um, in the elevator, but about a certain uh, part of that um, elevator that needs to be replaced every 100 hours of operation time. As you said, classically, a red light would uh, light up and someone 
looks at that red, uh, red light and needs to call the elevator company, um, you need to send someone, there's a strange red light. <laughs> um, and then the service technician comes, sees, oh, that's this red light with this error code. Okay, uh, I need to replace that part. Good that I don't have that part with me. I need to go uh, drive back into the company and order it in SAP or wherever. After a couple of weeks, it comes back. Uh, the part is delivered. Uh, he again needs to go to the um, to the elevator, replace the part, etc. So it's a very time consuming and cumbersome pro uh, process where maybe even the elevator will not be available for a certain amount of time, and people need to uh, walk the stairs, which is which could be healthy, but um, could also be uh, <laughs> bad. And the idea of Industry 4.0 here is that the elevator can look up, for example by being connected through the internet with the, um, with the um, central um, data center of the elevator company, can look up um, what that error code actually means and um, in a list of error codes or whatever, could send, for example, a, a, a short message or an email or something to the service technician, informing the service technician that this part will needs to be we needs to be replaced in 20 hours of operation time, uh, predictive maintenance. And when, um, when the uh, 100 hours are actually um, achieved, then the service technician can already see, okay, based on data, so many hours per day is the elevator running, probably on um, August 15, the elevator, uh, this part uh, will fail and needs to be replaced. And then he can also uh, already come to the elevator with the right part and replace it. And he already knows or she already knows that how to replace that part because um, that information is already there. It's already pulled from the technical documentation coming maybe to the iPhone or um, Android phone or whatever or SmartPad um, that um, this is the part that you need to re, uh, replace. It's maybe already automatically ordered from the um, supplier of the uh, replacement part, along with the information how to replace that part. So when the service technician arrives at the elevator, he or she already knows what to do and what to replace and uh, doesn't uh, need to go forth and back and then order and then wait for the part uh, to come, etc. And that makes the whole process much more efficient and um, makes it much more stable uh, for the people who use the uh, elevator because the elevator company can take care of um, such replacements and maintenance things before, um, in German, uh, we say, uh, before das Kind in den Brunnen gefallen ist. Um, <laughs> before the child, before the child has the um, uh, fallen into the... Um, the well. Yeah. <laughs> There's a oh, there's a terrible lassie joke in there, but we'll, yeah. we'll let that slide. So okay, so let's say that I am in a uh, I work for some sort of an industrial company producing service and maintenance documentation. Now, if my organization has already started an initiative like this, then this is all not new information. But let's say, what about for the people that are in these organizations that at this point are still producing dumb PDFs? I mean, good maintenance instructions potentially, but just in, you know, locked up in PDF or locked up in a way that is not interconnected with the systems. What 
what would be your advice to those people? What are, you know, what are the first steps to start thinking about this? If, if I'm the tech writer and I know that my company is moving in this direction, doing uh, more service management, predictive maintenance, trying to add some intelligence into my products, then what are the implications for me as a content creator and what kinds of steps should I be taking proactively to make sure that I'm ready when, you know, eventually the director or the VP of something shows up on my doorstep and says, guess what? We're doing Internet of Things. We're doing, uh, you know, Industry 4.0 and we need your content to be ready. What right. What do I do? <laughs> well, you will not you will not go uh, very far with um, traditional ways of uh, producing content in Microsoft Word as a, a long Microsoft Word document. So, what do we basically need is uh, what we call intelligent content, and intelligent content basically is something like structured content, XML based, where you can add metadata, where you can add um, attrib attributes to um, to the strings of content that is readable, so to say. Um, so um, you could have um, attributes on a certain table with maintenance data, like uh, the audience is the technician or the audience is the machine. And then attribute uh, the rows in the table to certain to these two certain audiences. And this is something that this additional intelligence on top of the text strings themselves, this is um, this additional layer of intelligence that you can attach to the content. This is only possible today with XML, and um, this is why um, Industry 4.0 scenarios or IoT scenarios are always based on content that is produced in XML. And one one great language uh, to produce XML-based content is, of course, DIDA, the Darwin Information Typing Architecture, DITA. This language makes it possible to um, put that in additional intelligence into the content or on top of the content or attached to the content. This is one thing. So structured content is, there's no discussion about that. If you want to be future ready, if you want to be industry 4.0 ready with your content, you need to work with XML, preferably with data. And then you need to also host that content somewhere so that it can be um, centrally managed, but also centrally consumed and um, uh, centrally delivered. And that is um, something where you need a um, CCMS. You will not be able to achieve that with only RoboHelp or only FrameMaker, um, but you will um, need a component content management system. And that CCMS also needs to have APIs um, so that external content consumers can access the content through an API and pull out the information that they need. Um, and from that CCMS, on the other hand, you can also deliver that content uh, to what you say, call omni-channel. Uh, so basically, the good old PDF, yeah, still still very relevant, but you can also um, produce, push that content into other systems like, let's say, Salesforce uh, or um, um, Zendesk or um, your, uh, your own help portal or support portal um, or into, or uh, into some apps. Service or, management system, yeah or in, in some other uh, management system or some uh, machine system um, where you can inject certain informations from the CCMS side. But APIs are um, a crucial part there. Um, with a system without APIs that uh, are accessible from the outside, 
you will not achieve a lot uh, the, uh, without APIs. So um, basically, XML plus CCMS um, and the CCMS with APIs. Uh, these are the things that you definitely need to have as a technology stack uh, to be industry 4.0 ready. And um, then, of course, you need to uh, think about how to create that content, how to write content, how to migrate content, uh, legacy data, because you don't want to start from the scratch with everything, right? You want to migrate that content and have a content ingestion engine where you can uh, push your uh, existing unstructured non-XML content into a, a CCMS like Adobe Experience Manager Guides and uh, get it migrated into XML and transformed into XML and then enrich it with, this, with these new possibilities uh, that such a system offers, like um, attribution of content, metadata, um, taxonomy, et cetera. And, you know, we talk about the world being more and more interconnected and more and more interdependent. And really, it seems like what we're describing or what you're describing is a world where the content is an integral part of not just the product talking to it, but the product operations in the sense of the maintenance tech, the uh, the service people, you know, all these different people who actually are looking at both the product, our elevator, and also the maintenance and connecting those together in ways that make them better, you know, make the product better, make the product experience better, make the product safer in that we have, as you said, you know, predictive maintenance rather than after the fact maintenance and potentially more efficient, right? Because, yeah. well, let's just replace it at 98 hours instead of 100, instead of waiting for it to stop. Yeah. And it's also um, um, the personalization of, uh, of that content. If you think of a car, um, let's say you're a car man manufacturer and you have a model of your car, but this model is in hundreds, if not thousands of variants in the market um, with this light, um, with this xenon light or with this other light um, or with um, all kinds of parts in the car that you can customize as a customer. But when you, when you buy that car, traditionally you get that super big board manual uh, where all possible variants are described. And of course, not only that's a ways of paper uh, and not good for the environment, um, it's also very unfriendly for um, for the customer who wants to access information because the customer doesn't care about all the variants. The customer cares about that one configuration that he or she has bought. This kind of configuration um, and having a personalized bought manual for your car in two variants, even one in the on in the screen uh, in the car. And one in, in the human machine interface there, uh, and one in a maybe printed uh, manual uh, for security backup reasons. And this this kind of um, personalization of content, and maybe even having two different uh, ways of representing the content. Maybe in the technical uh, manual that is shipped with the car, it's legally approved proper content, uh, and maybe in the on-screen uh, um, in the human machine interface in the car in the display. It's a completely different content. Uh, maybe it's like, hey, Sarah, your car, uh, um, the oil in your car needs to re be uh, replaced or whatever. Uh, and th this, this kind of personalization of content, for that, you also need a, a, a CCMS. And to put that a, a step further, personally, um, I think it's the future. In the future, we will 
approach content in a new way of uh, from delivering content to hosting content. Um, in the past, we were always thinking about the output channels. We were always thinking about how we can how can we create a nice looking PDF or how can we create a nice looking uh, web help portal or so. Um, and I think, uh, and you you also talked a little bit about that in your presentation at Dinner World um, about content as a service. I think in the future, um, companies will much stronger focus on having a central place for their content, like a uh, like a CCMS, and then from there uh, the content is just pulled or delivered as necessary and needed uh, by the different scenarios uh, um, where their products are used in, and this idea of not thinking about the output but thinking about how to how to host the content and in which format to host the content etc um, that is um, some a new way of thinking about um, uh, content and I think this is where the future uh, is going to uh, that companies are more and more focusing on centralizing that content in a platform that can be used by all kinds of um, uh, Content consumers, and and we're we're already seeing some of this in in the projects that we're doing. I mean, yeah. exactly that model, and an, a really interesting move away from uh, focusing on delivery endpoints and rather focusing on, uh, I guess, enablement, mm -hmm. you know, making content available, but not necessarily being a hundred percent focused on where it might be going. It's it. I mean, of course, delivery is important, but it's more the idea that we want to make sure this content is set up in such a way that it can accommodate today's requirements, but other requirements, the requirements we don't know about. Yeah. Uh, you know, the future stuff, you know, that's a really interesting, I think, challenge to the people that are, that are listening And so I think I'm I'm going to wrap it up there. There's an enormous amount of I think food for thought in here. So Stefan, thank you so much for coming in and sharing all this wisdom with us and all these exciting new possibilities for our content. You're welcome. And with that, thank you for listening to the Content Strategy Experts podcast brought to you by Scriptorium. For more information, visit scriptorium.com or check the show notes for relevant links.